0: We have his coordinates. You can bring me to Moth Gideon. The Moth has a light cruiser. It could be helpful in your effort to regain Mandalore. You gotta be kidding me. Mandalore? The Empire turned that planet to glass. You are a disgrace to your armor. The armor belonged to my father. Don't you mean your donor? Careful, princess. You are a clone. I've heard your voice thousands of times. Mine might be the last one you hear.
1: Greetings, bucket heads vartigar welcome to the 23rd action-packed episode of MandoVision, Nargai Tom. And thank you so much for checking out this small independent Star Wars podcast. Today, we are here to talk about the most jaw-dropping spectacle so far on this show. We are here to talk about Chapter 16, The Rescue, written by John Favreau and directed by Peyton Reed. This is the season finale to Season 2 of The Mandalorian. And I like, like I said at, at the, at just a moment ago, jaw-dropping. My jaw fell out of my mouth onto the floor, and I couldn't pick it up for a very long time. I mean, what an incredible action-packed episode. Tons of great information, tons of really fun Star Wars stuff in there. And then that ending... That ending, and if you're listening to this podcast, you better know what ending I'm talking about. Uh, uh, I I've told you all before. Uh, I get up very very early in the morning to to watch the Mandalorian before I go to work because I I am uh, very sensitive to the possibilities of, of running into spoilers and, and things of that nature and, and uh, uh, getting w- you know wisps of information before I, I before I could get could watch the show would would send me into. Uh, 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 an epic tizzy fit uh, of, of just biblical proportions. And and so I, I get up early to to watch it before I go to work. I'm up at usually, uh, usually the alarm goes off at three o'clock in the morning and uh, I am out in the living room watching my Disney Plus by 3.01. And especially today, when I had a feeling it was gonna be a longer episode, so I needed, needed some time, needed some of that extra time. And, and, and today was one of those days where I'm so glad that I, I get up early to watch the show. Sometimes it it's hard. That alarm goes off at three in the morning, and you're like, "Really? It's here already." But you get excited. You get comforted by knowing that you're about to watch The Mandalorian. Um, and today, I I was a bit um uh, mystified, perplexed, baffled by the sheer amount of spoilers that I saw on the internet by nine a.m. West Coast time. It was it was. Just crazy to me. Just crazy to me how people were just putting it all out there uh, for, for people to see. And I'm not just talking about, you know, Twitter or Instagram, you know, stuff on social media with people uh, uh, saying things. I'm talking about, like, like news sites. Like, like Google Google News had uh, a screen cap of that moment that we're going to talk about. I don't know why I'm dancing around it. I mean, like I said, if you listen to this podcast, odds are you watched the show. Odds should be really, really good that you watch the show. And... If you haven't watched the show, you gotta start watching the show before you come to this podcast, because we're gonna spoil it. That that's just kind of built in. That's kind of implied. I hope you all know that by now. But I again, I was aghast at all all the things I was seeing. I had I had friends sending me screen caps of different news pages and, and different things where they were just putting it all out on Front Street, and and my mind was just completely blown by that. It it really, um, I mean. I, you know, upset is a strong word, and so is angered. Uh, but it really annoyed the sh- holy stuff out of me. I almost, I almost slipped and broke my promise not to curse on this podcast. But it really annoyed the crap out of me, and and um, it really bummed me out. And and you know, this this podcast has a wonderful listening base, and and maybe some of you guys and gals and and fine folks um, aren't aren't as sensitive to spoilers as I am, and that that is completely your prerogative. Um, but you have to recognize, I think everyone has to recognize that, that you know, not everyone can stay up till midnight to watch the show or necessarily has the, the, the drive to get up at the time that I get up to watch it before I go to work. You know, the, the, all of my coworkers wait till they get home from, from work to watch The Mandalorian. So I always have to mind my P's and Q's and not say too much. Uh, but I'm kind of like the hype man at work. I get everyone real hyped. And uh, today, I, I think I chose my words very, very, very appropriately. Uh, when I when I just would, would they would ask me if I watched it and what I thought and I would just tell them, you're not ready. You're not ready for what you're going to see later when you get home, uh, because I don't think any of us were ready for what we were going to see today when we watched The Mandalorian. And of course, let's just put it out there again, if if you haven't watched the podcast, or if, I'm sorry, if you haven't watched the episode yet and you're still here, this is the final warning for spoilers because I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it right now. Five, four, three two, one, Luke Skywalker, Luke Skywalker on the Mandalorian. I didn't think they had the guts to do it. We talked about this a couple episodes ago. I didn't think they had the stones to, to do what they did to, to to bring Luke into this, to, to sort of tie uh, the Mandalorian in with, with the the sort of like the main, the main, uh, the main Star Wars trilogy, basically like, I mean, we're talking about a, a character from the Holy Trilogy. Luke Skywalker is now on the show, uh, and, and listen, let, let's just say it right now: that this CGI wasn't great. That that CGI de aging thing that they they used a lot in in Rogue One for for uh, for Grand, Grand Moff Tarkin and for for Princess Leia, um, it's still a little rough. <laughs> you know, Rogue One. I think was four years ago. Like this past week, I think for I think this past week was the four year anniversary of, of Rogue One. Uh, and and that technology still has some some bugginess to it, uh, but that aside, I think it's completely reasonable to uh, just just lean into the feels, the the the, the 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 nostalgia that that evokes, the just just the imagery of Luke Skywalker, our our beloved Luke, coming in swooping in in his X wing to save the day. Now again, I know we're jumping ahead to the end, and we are going to go through the episode uh you know but we just need to talk about it because hey i'm talking about the spoilers and and this is the image that i'm talking about you know when he pulls the hood back and that image was all over the 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 internet today and it i again my mind i just wow i just couldn't believe what i was seeing uh you know not even not even 24 hours barely even eight after it had dropped, and and that image was all over the internet, and it was just I was, I was I was floored. I was floored because it, I I would have to assume that many many people had this episode spoiled for them by going to a, a new site, and you know I, I I guess you can make the you know make the claim that well you shouldn't go online. It's really hard these days not to go online at all in some capacity. It's one thing to like try to avoid Twitter or Instagram for fear of spoilers, but if you're if you're just clicking on on the Google News and see what's going on in the world and you get that spoiled for you, that is a real real bummer. Oh man, <laughs> you know. And I just noticed we haven't even done the 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 whole the whole uh, rundown for the for the opening of the, of the show. So <laughs> I I to have to pause in this recap just to kind of do what I'm supposed to do. Alright, so once again, thank you all so much for uh, checking out and listening to this small independent Star Wars podcast. Remember, the best way to reach out to us is via social media. We, we are at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram, and we do not post spoilers. Uh, we do not post anything that could be construed as a spoiler for at least 72 hours, uh, knowing my schedule is closer to like 82 hours, but you know what I mean. We wait till at least Monday to post anything that could even, you know, that could be misconstrued. So, and that's what we do. Uh, we are a part of the 3Bzine Network of Podcasts. If you want to take a chance, head on over to the3bzine.com. You can find links to all of our podcasts, which include Beer Night in San Diego, this fine podcast, MandoVision, and the TomCast podcast, where I hang out and talk about all the other fun stuff going on in pop culture, like a lot of a lot of Marvel stuff going on on that podcast. So that's a lot of fun. And I say lots of dirty swear words on that one. Uh, I, I can be rather inappropriate on that one. We, we keep the Star Wars show family friendly because Star Wars is for everyone. But on TomCast, PopCast, we, I get a little naughty sometimes. I mean, just, 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 just just, warning. If you go to, over to 3Bzine.com, you'll also find a link to our, our uh, store MV page where you can find t-shirts, sweatshirts, all other kinds of goodies for all the shows of the 3Bzine Podcast Network. And remember, we are on Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, uh, and Apple Podcasts. And if you're doing Apple Podcasts, sweet, sweet, sweet five-star reviews are so uh, critically helpful in in getting the word out about what we're doing here on the Tomcast Podcast and all the fun we're having breaking down these episodes and going into all, all the lore and all the mythology, you know, connecting the dots with some of the old canon. It's just man, just doing this podcast has just been so much freaking fun. I have such a good time doing this one and and just kind of you know letting my my Mando nerd flag fly. It's been so much fun talking about this with with all of with all of you uh, for this for season two um, and. Again, I've mentioned in the past, but uh, we, we have a lot of, a lot of listeners, and, and that just blows my mind to, to know that uh, people are coming back and listening to the show every week. And, and I'm, I'm hoping you all are having as much fun listening to it as I am making it for you. So let's do it. Let's, let's strap on our buckets. Let's go. All right. Hey, the, uh, the uh, we talked about it. It's an action-packed episode from the get-go. We open up and we get something we haven't had too much of this season: a space battle. How great is that? We get we get Slave One, tracking down a a uh, Imperial shuttle. Uh, we you gotta love that that tri-wing Imperial shuttle. It's, it's it's you know you recognize it from Return of the Jedi. Obviously, the shuttle's Hyderium that they use to to access the Force Moon of Endor to penetrate the shields of the Force Moon of Endor piloted by Han Solo and Chewbacca. So we all love that ship design. We've all seen that ship design. And uh, we, we find out really quickly uh, that there is a person of importance. There is a poor excuse me, there is a person of importance on the shuttle. And that would be uh, our good friend, Dr. Pershing, the the clone scientist who's been helping Moff Gideon study, little baby Grogu, and the so yeah. This is a this is a great way to open the ep- episode a lot of great action again space battle something we haven't had too much of this season on the Mandalorian so I love seeing it I've, I've really enjoyed uh, seeing slave one zipping around uh, and and, and uh, doing doing some damage that's such a, I love that ship design so much it's such a fun ship it's so distinct and recognizable and, and fun and to see it in in hot pursuit of an Imperial shuttle is uh, just a delight and the the great shot of of Oh, we'll talk about it in a second. But I, I love how they disabled the shuttle with the ion cannons. We talked about ion cannons a few weeks ago on the podcast. And it's nice to see them put into play here so that they could capture the shuttle without destroying it, without risking uh, any damage, potentially killing Dr. Pershing. They obviously need Dr. Pershing. So the shuttle's disabled, and Slave 1's going to board. You know, they're going to they're gonna board up, and you get that great shot from the cockpit of Slave 1 just coming up and over the shuttle, and I loved that so much. And you can even see Fett in the cockpit. Pretty awesome stuff. And it's not long before, before Din Djarin, our our favorite Mando, is on board. And he begins, begins. Uh, well, he's hoping to take Pershing, but the pilots grab him and take him hostage real quick. At least one of them does. One of them really aggressively and shoots the other pilot. <laughs> one pilot wants to make a deal with, with Din Djarin, the other pilot's having none of it, so he gets shot in the back. Uh, that's when Cara Dune shows up, and just a really awful, nasty exchange between uh, the Imperial and and Cara Dune as as he's calling her out, uh, you know, mocking her pain as a survivor of Alderaan, how he was on the Death Star, uh, how the, he enjoys blowing up terrorists, things like that. It was a pretty, uh, pretty intense scene, and then Cara Dune shoots him right in the face. Classic. Classic Cara Dune. All right, so they have Doctor Pershing, some dead Imperial pilots, but more importantly, they have Pershing now, and he's going to give them a lot of information down the road. First, we have to sync up, sync up. We have to link up with Bo Katan and Costen Reeves, Cost Reeves, excuse me. Uh, we don't know. I I've been looking for more information. You know, uh, one of the things I've I've talked about with the Mandalorian. Uh, one of the things that um, I I. I don't want to say I'm not a fan of it necessarily, but I don't like that we we uh, we, we don't ever know what planets they're going to and where they're going and, and things like that. Like the names are never mentioned, never referenced. Uh, and that, that kind of bums me out, we don't find out until like later on when uh, like concept art or something like that is revealed. Anyways, so we go to a planet, there's like these giant smokestacks and all kinds of things. you know, some kind of industrial things going on there. Uh, but they they arrive at the port, Mando. Our Mando Dinjarin and Boba Fett enter a bar. Two Mandalorians enter a bar. That gets that, that uh that get some notice. I like I like the way you know again. This episode is very Star Warsy in the sense that you know it, it's a lot of it's in space. It's on it's on Moff Gideon's cruiser, uh, but the roots of this show are still that of of the like the Western inspired gunslinger type show. So I like when Din and Boba enter the bar, and everything kind of stops and people take notice of two Mandalorians. Uh, especially after there's already two Mandalorians in the bar, so now you have four Mandalorians. More, excuse me, four Mandalorians in a bar, and uh, you know I think they all think that's maybe not a good thing because I think they tend to they they all, uh, all kind of clear out of there. <laughs> so that's where we use that 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 wonderful ex- exchange uh, between Bo Katan and Boba, in particular, uh, and, and sort of like the again this wonderful illumination. This illuminating conversation on on sort of uh, Boba's not his, well. He doesn't have a role in Mandalorians, but the way he's viewed by other Mandalorians, in particular, is is very interesting, and uh, uh, you you sort of see a, a bit of the ugly side of of Bo Katan in in this scene where she's openly mocking. Uh, Boba for being a clone, and and he's how he's just uh, basically like a like a, a specimen, a lab experiment uh, in in a lot of senses, and how he's no different than the other thousands of clones that she has seen or engaged with over the years. Uh, it's it, it's 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 important to note that stuff because you know we've talked a little bit about Bo-Katan and her her her, her past. Uh, katan is is. Has a single-minded determination to be the ruler of Mandalore again and to bring the Mandalorian to bring the Mandalorians together, uh, and that's kind of always been her objective: is is what's best for the people. But the ways in which she's gone about doing it over the years, from Star Wars: The Clone Wars to Star Wars Rebels, like her actions aren't always don't always put her on the on the side of right, and so she can be uh, a bit nasty. Um, you know, if if it comes to somebody who is ooh, taking shots, basically. I mean, Boba's not this. He's not coming out and, and aggressively mocking her or 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 uh, criticizing her necessarily, but she's not going to take him uh, insulting her plans to to bring Mandalore back. I mean, you know, they they have the exchange or how the Empire turned to into, into glass, and you how it's not even worth going back and trying to save. But obviously, Bocatan feels very very differently about that. And, and Bose the her line of thought, her methodology, all these things we have to pay attention to these because uh, as great a character as she is, again, she has her agenda and it may com- conflict with with Din Jarn's agenda. I mean you remember, I mean he, she initially rejects helping him. It's not until he puts out that like I can get you to off Gideon, I have the coordinates. I can get you within. Stone's throw of that dark that you're looking for so badly, uh, so you know, Bo is not like I suppose noble is the right word. We we don't want to confuse Bo as as Bo Katan as this, this sort of like noble Mandalorian who's just out for the good of of everything. He's like no 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 no. Bo has Bo's agenda. Is it for the betterment of her people? It sounds like it is, but we'll see how that works out. And we'll talk a little bit more about Bo-Katan later in the episode because a lot happens, especially at the end, towards towards the climax of the episode. Uh, so, so Bo's motives and, and her agenda definitely come into play later on. She is a great ally to the Mandalorian. I don't want to I don't want to knock that at all. And again, I love seeing that character brought to life, and I love seeing Katie Sackoff be the one to bring her to life. Uh, so it, it's it's always a treat for me to see that character on screen because I I think her. I think she's a complex character. I think she's she's very uh, very interesting in a lot of regards because because of how her 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 sort of a uh, um ideology uh is is so different that being on the side of right isn't the most important thing to her. It's it's being true to what she believes. And there's something uh fascinating about that with the character. And, and so do not take my my, my open criticism of, of her here as, as me uh, not not liking that character. I, I think that character is fascinating. I love the different shades to that character. And I hope we get a chance to see uh, uh, more of that explored in, in, in The Mandalorian or in one of the other shows that, that we've talked about coming forward from Lucasfilm and Disney. So that's exciting stuff. A great conversation, sets things up. It brings Bo, it brings Casca onto the ship. By the way, a great little tuss. Tussle between Boba and Koska occurs, where uh, uh, I, I love the use of the jetpack as as a, as like as a way to sort of get leverage on Boba Fett, a a, a person with with some a little bit like are about the same, but I mean Boba's got like a like a build to him, he's got some weight on her, and and. Uh, Costco is able able to leverage that with the rocket pack whips whips uh, whips Bob into like a little bit of a huracarana. It looked like a little Rey Mysterio action going on. Though so that might be one of Sasha Sasha's moves from WWE. I don't know for sure. Uh, our, I have a couple wrestling friends who would uh, wrestling fan friends. They're not actual wrestlers. I don't have those kind of friends, unfortunately. But they, they'll let me know if I got the right move on that one. Uh, so everyone comes together. We get on. The, we get. Together on Slave One, Doctor Pershing's gonna give us some information. They come up with a plan. A really fun—I I think it's a fun scene to watch the way they kind of engage with each other and construct this battle plan to 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 take on a, a imperial cruiser. Now, what's great about the scene too is they they tell us right off the bat. One of the big pieces of information is that like that is not a fully crewed ship, which <laughs> that was sort of my thought going into into this episode, I, th- I think I talked a little bit last week about it, how I was like, I don't know how this is going to work. You know, like four or five people versus an entire battle cruiser worth of, worth of Imperials seem like a bit of a mismatch. They tell us right off the bat. Uh, this is a, a cruiser that runs on, on basically a skeleton crew. Like, minimal uh, crewmen are needed. Uh, it's, it seems like it's a ship mostly, to, but de- mostly dedicated to uh, the, d- the Dark Trooper pro- uh, project, program, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so... Minimal staffing makes it a lot more um, a lot more manageable. I think for for our heroes to to take to take the cruiser on and 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 uh, a little bit more believable too. Because I, I, I was gonna I was prepared to have a really hard time if they were able to take over like an imperial cruiser with like hundreds possibly thousands of imperials on it. But this makes a lot more sense. So that was good to know. So they again they have a plan. They're going to use that captured imperial shuttle, and and that'll be they'll they'll come out of hyperspace. Bubba's going to be chasing them, shooting at them. The strike team will be on the shuttle. The shuttle will crash in the into the hangar of the Imperials. And and there, then we have a boarding party. And Boba Fett will take off before the TIE fighters and the, the, the cannons on board the cruiser come after him. There's a little bit of some wonkiness with that plan. Um, it's not my it's not it's not a bad plan, but it's not my favorite plan either, mostly because as it's playing out and again, a great scene because I, I love the space battle aspect of it. And now, now, granted, it's a show. but was not really trying to kill them or blow them up. But I, I love seeing the space battles all the same. And, you know, you get TIE fighters, which is always a lot of fun. Um, but I, I think the concern I have about this scene is Moff Gideon is on the bridge. He is aware of what's going on. Din Djarin warned him last week that he was coming for him. So, did Moth Gideon not take him seriously, or not make any any real preparations, or, or make any sort of contingency plans in case something crazy and unexpected happened, like a, like an imperial shuttle just appearing out of out of hyperspace with Slave One behind it? Um, so he's standing on the bridge, kind of watching these events unfold. He he orders the tie fighters to go out and and and, and whatnot. I, I I think what I found interesting about this was that. You know, at the end of season one, we saw that that uh, Moff Gideon has no, he has no problem mowing down his own troops in order to achieve his agenda and to achieve his objectives. So, if you're aware that Din Djarin's coming for you, and that there's this, a rather strange set of circumstances going on, I I guess I question why didn't Moff Gideon, you know, kind of figure this one out ahead of time and be like, oh, well, here's what's going on here. So let's just blow up that that shuttle. And if we're wrong, we're wrong, but at least we're not. Dead, or or captured, or uh, you know, withhold was with, a siege from, you know, a, a contingent of however many troops. They, they you know, I'm assuming they don't know that. So that was kind of like my only little quirk with with the episode. I think uh, was I was like, oh, I thought Moff Gideon might be a little bit more ruthless here and just blow that starship out of the air and maybe, you know, see through the ruse. And they have to figure they still have to like crash the ship into the cruiser to to get on board. But it'd be a little bit more of a challenge. Um, They didn't go that route and that's fine because it was was a fun it's it's a fun scene and it's shot very very well and and you know i like the fact that when as soon as the cruiser uh i'm sorry excuse me as soon as the imperial shuttle is in the hangar i mean the action just begins and it's pretty pretty wild stuff now remember our our good friend boba fett has taken off in slave one he hyperspaces out of there and that's 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 it. Boba doesn't come back to help later on. I don't know why that seemed a little odd to me as well that Boba wouldn't come back to help. Um, take part in the siege, but you know that that is what it is. Uh, in the meantime, we have a great team assembled. We have Bocatan. We have Cosca Reeves. We have Fennec Shan, We have Cara Dune, and they are the what uh, what what a what uh, Bocatan is call the kind of the diversionary force. They're going to go in there, and they're going to att- attract a crowd. They're going to get stormtroopers to follow them. They're going to get troopers to follow them. They're going to cause the commotion. And once everyone's after them, Din Djarin will, will exit the shuttlecraft, and he's going to make his way to the brig where little Grogu is being held. And on his way, he will stop by the hangar. Hangar? The lab? Whatever you want to call it, where the dark troopers are being kept. Where, where they are powered down, because apparently they draw a ton of power. So they have to be powered up before they can be deployed. So they are in sort of cold storage, basically, uh, until they are called upon. And so Jin's going to get over there on his way to the brig. He's going to use uh, Pershing's code code cylinder, lock the door so that they don't have to deal with the dart Troopers at all, because those Dark Troopers sound pretty fierce. And we're also given the information that... that uh, this phase we're in phase three dark trooper here there is no human in there no i think we could tell that very much when we saw them at the tail end of episode uh at the, at the tail end of chapter six that they looked very mechanical very battle droidy at the same time so this kind of confirms that theory and and makes it so that uh if i get, i guess the best way to put it is it this is like the sort of the, the final evolution of the dark trooper and in, into being like this ultimate battle droid and we do get a chance to see how badass they are, which is uh, some really, really good stuff. Really, really strong action. Again, the action sequences in this are great, as especially as as Fennec and, and Bo and 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 Dune are laying just waste to Imperial stormtroopers left and right. The they, they I don't know if they miss a shot in this in the, in this sequence. Uh, the, the stormtroopers they miss plenty, but that's that's pretty much on brand for them. It's also at this point uh, that Moff Gideon issues the command for the Dark Troopers to begin powering up. So the, our, our heroes know from Dr. Pershing that there is a, a window of opportunity before the dark troopers come after them. That That's, when, that's why Din has to get to that, that, that uh, coal storage area where they are, so he can lock them in before they become a problem. The, the strike team can handle uh, in, Imperial troopers and officers and things like that. But once, the, once those dark troopers enter the fray, it's going to be a very, very different story. Uh, one, again? Another great action sequence between between our strike team is when they're on that little uh, that little bridge, uh, going from one section of the ship to the other, and uh, Bo Katan and 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 Koska rocket off, and it, it's just Kara and Fennec on the on there blowing away stormtroopers, and then another squad of troopers arrives, and Bo and and, and Koska swoop out of the air to blow the rest of the troopers away really great stuff the action sequences alone are so top-notch in this episode so fun and again this strike team just kicks so much butt it's really really great so good fun action. i mean it's and it's just you're, you're captivated the entire time you're watching them blow away stormtroopers which is one of our favorite things in star wars and then you get you get uh, din sneaking around and 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 trying to get trying to you know rescue little grogu uh, you also get to see, uh, y- y- y'all remember the Death Star droid? That, the, the droid kind of has like C-3PO's body, but he has like that weird kind of oblong head. The R- the RA-7 droid, also known as the Death Star droid. Yeah, he makes a little p- appearance too. We got a, we caught a flash of one of these droids about back in season one. I'm trying to think what episode it was, or what chapter. I, I want to say it was in seven, because I don't think it was in the finale. Seven makes the most sense to me, but I, I could be mistaken. Uh, if anyone wants to correct me, please, please do so. You know where to find me. I'm on those social medias. Uh, that? I think it's so. At this point, with our strike team, this is when Cara Dune starts having problems with her blaster. She starts wailing on stormtroopers with the with just beating them with like, like like you know using it like a club and just beating the holy crap out of them. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I love these action sequences so so much. Um, and yeah. I don't know what else to say. The siege of, of the bridge is is just completely top notch when they finally reach the bridge of the ship and and again, they just basically kick down the doors me- metaphorically speaking, of course, and you know just blow the bridge crew to straight to heck. Um, again, it's you're just watching this and you're like, you, you just love this action so much. It's so uh, top notch so well done. The, uh, the performances of the actors are uh, uh, of our strike team actors in particular is, is so convincing. I think they're all very very good in these scenes and and uh, uh, Peyton Reed Peyton Reed shoots the whole shoots shoots this so well. I think this is uh, it, it's it, he's Peyton's direction I would say is 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 kind of subtle. It's like a subtle good. It, you, you know you it doesn't leap out at you in the way like some of the like the Robert Rodriguez episode did earlier in the season. Or, or even the the stuff that uh, Rick Famuyiwa was doing last week, uh, Peyton works a, a little bit differently, and it's like I said, it's sort of like this understated, awesome that he does, and, and I think he was a a pretty smart choice, for this episode, uh, but not because of the way he handles the action. Now, I think he handles it expertly, but I think where he really shines is at the end of the episode. And we'll t- we'll talk about that as we as we get there, uh, but I think it's important that we get to. Uh, one of the more emotional parts of of this episode. One of the, one of the more um, well, let's just call it heartbreaking. Actually, I'm getting a little ahead of myself because I forgot. You know, Din, he does get to the to the the cold storage for those those Dark Troopers, but he gets there a little late. The door's opening already before he can shove that that code that code cylinder in there. Uh, and as he does so, one Dark Trooper is able to get out, and you have a great battle between Tengarin. And that Dark Trooper, and we can really, we we really get a taste of how powerful and how strong the Dark Troopers are, and how they are just going to be a truly fearsome, unstoppable force for Moff Gideon if they were ever to be unleashed against the New Republic, or even just against our heroes on this ship. So, so locking them in there is vital if they're going to pull this off and rescue Grogu. But one gets out, and it's again, it turns into an epic battle, and mean, and Din's basically saved because he has the unbreakable Beskar armor on. That The scene where the droid has him up against the wall, uh, excuse me, the, the dark trooper has him up against the wall and he's just punching his head mercilessly. And you're you're seeing, again, I, I think this is, is it's again, it's, it's kind of like a subtle, subtly shot, but every time you see the droid, excuse me, I keep saying droid, I just want to call them dark troopers. That's probably a better terminology here. It's more accurate. Every time you see that dark trooper punching Din right in the face, you know you know the first thing you notice is like yes he's punching him in the face and it's not damaging the beskar but din's head is being driven further back into the hull of the ship uh <laughs> it's pretty wild it's pretty intense din eventually uses the flamethrower to get away from him he has to use his his uh his whistling birds uh every trick that din Djarin has uh he has to employ here and eventually he's able to get the better of the Dart trooper, uh, with the help of the Beskar spear that he liberated in the Ahsoka episode back in thirteen, uh, So that comes in pretty handy there. And then he uses that spear to beat the holy crap out of some stormtroopers that are guarding little baby Grogu's uh, uh, prison cell in the brig there. All right, sorry, I had to pause the show for a moment while uh, uh, things were happening in real life. Uh, so yes, Din Djarin uses the spear, smashes the holy heck out of some stormtroopers, crushes one's neck, with it in a vicious chokehold with a Beskar uh, spear does not sound like a fun way to go out, uh, but this is so that he can enter Grogu's prison cell and re- liberate him from the shackles of oppression of the Empire. And oh boy, listen, let me tell you, when 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 the door opens, and we see Moff Gideon standing there next to little Grogu with the dark saber in his hand, held out. Basically above Grogu's head, and little Grogu in those stun cuffs. Oh, oh the heartbreak, oh the heartbreak, oh let's see that little that sweet little little baby in those stun cuffs was, oh, it, that that's a punch in the soul right there, folks. Now I, I'm going to play a little bit of that scene here. Let's let's play a little bit of the scene right now. Uh, their, their little exchange here. I'm gonna let this run for a little bit, but I'm probably gonna edit it down and you won't even notice. I'm gonna try and be slick. Here we go. Oh, there's those sun cuffs. It's like, let me out, save me. Drop the blaster. Slowly. Gene Kyle is so good in this role. I love him as as Moffinian. Now kick it over to me.
0: Very nice. Give me the kid. The kid is just fine where he is. Menace. Mesmerizing, isn't it? Used to belong to Bo-Katan. Pay attention. Important stuff. Yes, I know you've been traveling with Bo-Katan. A friendly piece of advice. Assume that I know everything. Like the fact that your wrist launcher has fired its one and only salvo. Where is this going? This is where it's going. I'm guessing that Bo-Katan and her boarding party have arrived at the bridge, seeking me, or, more accurately, this. The dark saber. He's talking about the dark saber. But I'm not there. And I imagine that they've killed everyone on the bridge being the murderous savages that they are and now they're beginning to panic (laughs) you see she wants this do you know why because it brings power
1: whoever wields this sword
0: has the right to lay claim to the mandalorian throne
1: these are important nuggets you keep it
0: I just want the kid. Very well. I've already got what I want from him. His blood. All I wanted was to study his blood. This child is extremely gifted and has been blessed with rare properties that have the potential to bring order back to the galaxy.
1: Okay, I want to pause it. Oh, that, that's where we'll stop this this playback of the scene. We don't need to go through the whole thing. Um, but a lot of interesting stuff there about bo about the Darksaber, and a little bit more about what Gideon is doing with Grogu's blood, but still not the answers that we're looking for. And I think we have to revisit the the, the idea that... That Gideon is is... Again, trying to create his own force wielders, but is he trying to revive the emperor at the same time?
0: Just
1: talking about the power to bring order back to the galaxy? Is Gideon somehow involved uh, in some sort of, of of cloning operation, something involving a resurrection of, of Palpatine as well you know per, that, that Pershing's specialty is cloning. It's possible while I, I while I am loath to admit the possibility. That they are trying to trying to connect this with the sequel trilogy in any way, uh, because I have I have strong feelings about the the, the, the sequel trilogy, um, and most of them are not positive feelings, particularly for the last the last one, um, and and the resurrection of Palpatine to begin with. Um, but you have to wonder, you have to be curious. You know, he's talking about the blood and how he's powerful, and again, that line bring order back to the galaxy. So, is there? some sort of plan in place to of Gideon's? Or is he just trying to bring force users that he can wield? That's still the theory that I'm going with. He wants his own force users that would help implement his vision of, of the Empire uh, moving forward. But we don't know for sure. So you know, he makes it sound like Gideon makes it sound like everything's all good. You know what? Take the kid. It's fine. I got what I need. You're not worried about the dark saber. Yeah, you guys can just get out of here. We're gonna go our separate way, with separate ways, and that's gonna be that. And then and, and our business is concluded here. Uh, except uh, Moff Gideon is a dirty, lying Imperial scumbag. So when Moff, when, when Dinjarin's back is turned, Moff Gideon fires up that dark saber, and it's go time. And and uh, again, another just. Wonderful action sequence, and it's it's what's been teased for quite a while now. Basically, since the end of season one, when we saw that Moff Gideon had the dark saber, this 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 delivers on so many levels. Well, you know, at first, when when Din is on 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 the defensive, and he's having to block the the the, the dark with his Beskar armor, and you know, it's just like you know, arms up, any 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 point of contact, he's trying to get Beskar between him and the blade. And once he's finally able to 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 get the Beskar spear out to to kind of go on the attack and the defense, uh, the 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 fight really elevates into something really fun and unique uh, because it's not often we see weapons that can go toe to toe with a lightsaber. And remember that that's essentially what a dark saber is. It is essentially a lightsaber. Um, but like you know, lightsabers and and dark sabers, no matter what, can't you can't uh, can't cut the Beskar with it. It's one of the few metals in the Star Wars galaxy that is. Uh, resistant to lightsaber action. So so a, a fun battle ensues. And, and again, like I said, when that Beskar spear comes into play, and I love when they sort of lock onto each other, you know, Gideon just bringing that blade down on on Din, and he blocks it with the spear. And I love the way you would see the Beskar spear heating up. You know, you'd see like that that point of contact with the Darksaber and then just heat radiating out into the, into the spear. And, you know, not in a, in a hugely, you know, way that's going to burn Din Djarin's hands or anything like that and affect the combat, but it's just, like, one of those like fun little details uh, of, 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 like, the energy involved in the Darksaber uh, on a metal like Beskar. Just made it really, really fun. And it's it's a great battle. And, and, and you know, remember, this is a show not known for having to do a lot with lightsabers so far, uh, but they do a heck of a job with this great battle. And... Uh, eventually, our hero is able to, uh, you know, prevail. He is the he is the better warrior. I think we all know that. So he is able to get the best of Moff Gideon. He he is able to disarm him. He he knocks the dark saber away from him, and and puts the spear to the tip of his to the the tip of the spear to the point of his to his neck. Jesus, i really botched that sentence. He puts the tip of the spear to his neck, uh, but spares his life. He knows that Bo Katan wants. Moff Gideon for herself but he he's walking into a trap and Gideon knows that uh, and he says as much when he when he tells Din Djarin he, uh, I, I forget the exact line but something along the lines of uh, this should be fun actually you know what we have the technology let's go back and play it and we'll just we'll get the answer right now you're sparing my life well this should be interesting yeah, there it is. This should be interesting. Because Moff Gideon knows exactly what's going to happen. And like, let's, listen, let's let this play out. Because bo standing on the bridge. You know, they seized the bridge. They couldn't find Gideon. They were very upset about it. <laughs> I forget if I've already talked about that. I had a little interruption in the middle of the show. I might be a little off track, so I apologize. But yeah, after they seized the bridge and Gideon wasn't there, they were not stoked. Uh, so what's about to happen... This won't translate well on the podcast, but I, you remember, I know you remember the scene. You watched the show, but the scene here as Din brings Moff Gideon in, Darksaber in his hand, and the look on Bo-Katan's face is priceless. Complete indignation. Let's, let's let it play. What happened? he brought him in alive that's what happened and now the new republic's gonna have to double the payment
0: that's not what she's talking about why don't you kill him now and take it
1: i'm just gonna let this whole thing play out <laughs> it's so good
0: it's yours now what is the dark saber it belongs to you <laughs> Now it belongs to her. She can't take it. It must be won in battle. In order for her to wield the dark saber again, she would need to defeat you in combat. I yield. It's yours. Oh no. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. The dark saber doesn't have power. The story does. Without that blade, she's a pretender to the throne. He's right. Come on, just take it.
1: All right, so that, that's where we'll stop. As, as the Dark Troopers are, are making their way back to the ship, I didn't... I. I neglected to mention that part, where Din shoots the Dark Troopers out into space. I think we all knew that was going to come back to get them, because they are battle droids, basically. We know they can fly. We know they're jet-powered. Uh, it was only a matter of time for the Dark Troopers to make their presence uh, known once again in this episode. And they do so in a glorious fashion. But let's let, before we get into that, let, let's talk about that scene. Because there are, there are questions and there are contradictions, potentially, uh, you know, we the, this podcast has been, has been a big proponent of uh, encouraging people to go back and and watch Star Wars the Clone Wars and watch Star Wars Rebels especially if you've not seen them before and we are going to go back and, and do that on this podcast while we wait for the new season to to come you know later next year but let's let's get into, let's let's kind of get into brass tacks right now the the contradict the implied contradiction is that uh is that, is that Bocatan cannot just take Cannot just be handed the dark saber from Din Djarin. It cannot be yielded. This this potentially contradicts what we saw in Star Wars Rebels when Sabine Wren presents the dark saber to Bo Katan in that series, and she happily takes it so that she can attempt to bring Mandalore together at in that series at that point. Uh I think this is one of those 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 uh, scenes where I think the the. The devil's in the details, you know. There's a it's it's, Moff Gideon's choice of verbiage might be a clue to what's going on here and why it's not quite the contradiction that we might think it is, um, and that is because she lost the dark saber, so to get it back, it must be won in battle. I it perhaps there is 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 some kind of. I don't know. A, you know, perhaps it's allowed to be bequeathed to someone or or. Uh, uh, turned over to someone when it's not found, or when it's not in a battle situation. Remember, Sabine finds the the, the dark saber. It wasn't necessarily. Um, I might I might be misspeaking on that, but I, again, I I do believe that the devil's in the or the devil is in in the details on this one, and that since Bo-Katan lost the dark saber and she didn't die in the process to get it back, she may have to win it in battle to kind of earn her honor back and in that regard she was obviously bested for it once by my by Moff Gideon or or somebody else we don't know that story just yet um but that's gonna be an interesting story to to learn and to find out about how Bo-Katan lost the Darksaber in the first place after getting it from Sabine Wren in Star Wars Rebels I'll have to read I yeah I I gotta I also got to retouch... I have to touch base again with how Sabine came across it, too. I want to say... I thought she found it, but maybe she... There might be more to that story, so I don't want to go down that road necessarily. Hey, anyone listening, if you recall offhand, (laughs) you know where to find me. At Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. Key stuff. But it's going to be fun to go back and watch those shows again for this podcast, and I I hope everyone sticks around for that journey, because it's going to be a good time. All right, but back to this show. Again... I just want to talk about that because I don't, I, I don't think it's the contradiction that a lot of uh, 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 sci-fi sites are making it out to be just yet. There may, there may be some some play here that that we aren't quite aware of just yet, but but this show's been is has done a really good job of, of connecting dots for us, and 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 we have to we have to give them the benefit of the doubt at this point because because they have done so much right and they've earned our trust and they've earned our faith, and that has been richly, richly rewarded in these two seasons of The Mandalorian thus far. All right, so let's get back into our narrative for this episode. The Dark Troopers are coming back. They're storming the shuttle. There's an entire platoon of them. Moff Gideon taunts our heroes. They are Those Dark Troopers are going to retake the ship. They're going to storm the bridge and kill everyone on it except Gideon and the child. And there's nothing they can do to stop it. Gideon points out, how much trouble uh, Din had with just one. And now there's an entire platoon of them out there coming to get them. And again, we're talking about there's only five heroes. And even even with Boba Fett's help, it's probably an unwinnable battle against these mighty, mighty dark troopers, especially in the, the sheer numbers that they are swarming the, the, the cruiser in. So we get a really tense scene here, really tense action-oriented stuff with... With, um, with the dark troopers and and our heroes held up on the bridge as it's basically under you know under uh, attack as as the dark troopers, you know, use their bionic robot strength to pound the crap out of the doors. You get to hear Fennec Shand, uh declare you know, ask for the blast doors to be lowered, which is super fun and exciting. Um, but there the these are Mandalorians we're talking about. These are these are brave warriors. Even you know Fennec, not a Mandalorian, but still a brave. Soldier, no less, and and, and Cara Dune, a, a soldier of the of the New Republic of the of the Rebel Alliance, and she is not going to go down without a fight. So there, our heroes are, are bracing for like their their Alamo, their last stand, and it's 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 I, again really tense, really dramatic, and you're wondering like what's going to happen, how how are they going to get out of this, what's it going to take, what kind of miracle is, is going to happen here to to save our heroes. Or is this going to go down a dark road? And and I'll be perfectly honest, I thought this episode would have uh, darker uh, darker moments to it, with, with 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 heroes dying, and and you know possibly Gideon having the upper hand, and, and possibly even winning the day, capturing Dinjar and ca- recapturing the child. I, I I thought it could go a lot of different directions. I, I really thought um, we would get a couple curveballs thrown our way. I thought Jon Favreau might... Get, you know, again, another little misdirect from Favreau. And uh, the Empire has the upper hand as season two ends. That's not to be. That is not to be. Uh, and again, I don't, again I, I lost track when I got interrupted earlier uh, if I talked about how cool it was to see the Dark Troopers power up. Uh, but watching them re-enter the cruiser is also equally cool. And, and it's... Um, you know, I don't know. It's a little... It, it maybe it's it might be sacrilege to say this, but it's a little evocative of, 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 of Cylons, the way these dart troopers with their red with their red glowing eyes, uh, and just kind of just they say nothing, they just loom large and, and cast a, cast up a large shadow at the same time, uh, and Moff Gideon laying on the floor, of the bridge with this smug look of satisfaction on his face as he knows exactly what's about to happen, and I, I kind of want to play the scene out just a little bit longer. Uh, because, well, there's some good stuff coming. I'm trying to. Th- I'm trying to find the exact point I want it to be at. Sorry, here we go. I think it's right here. There, our heroes getting ready for the last stand. It helps if I turn the volume on. You know that sound. X-wing.
0: One X-Wing. Great. We're saved. See, Incoming craft. It, identify yourself. Jesus.
1: Sarcastically. Yeah, this is where we have to pause it. As the music shifts, and we get more of a John Williams-esque score, Grogu's ears perk up. He seems not as downtrodden, not as resigned to his fate as this X-Wing arrives. I'll pause it right there. It was getting a little loud anyways. <laughs> Everything seems to shift as this X-wing arrives, and at first you wonder, "Oh, is this just is this Trapper Wolf or or uh, Carson Tiva? You know, we've seen them a couple of times this season, this lone X-wing, but at the same time, in the back of my brain, I sort of had this. I was like, No, no, it couldn't be, it couldn't be, and then the, the, the again, no response, no communications, but everything changes." The Dark Troopers stop their pounding. They stop their attempt to break into the bridge. They redraw their arms, their weapons, and their blasters, I should say, and they prepare for a new fight. And Moff Gideon's attitude, Moff Gideon's tone, his expression, his confidence goes away very quickly as as the Dark Troopers have reassessed the threats that are that are coming their way. And what happens next, again, I think uh, is a, this is a well-directed but in a, such a subtle way because of what we get to see now, which is this incredible action sequence but we're watching it from our hero's perspective, from Din and Bo-Katans and, and Cara Dunes as they are held up in the bridge and they can only watch on the security cam footage that's available to them as, as a lone figure begins to make his way through the starship. And I'm not going to lie. This is when I started getting like, really choked up in the show because, again, that music's playing and it's it's hitting you in a subconscious way. You're like, wait a second, no. No, it can't be. And you know, you're entertaining the notion. I think we all entertain the notion. Well, okay, maybe it's the Jedi. Like we talked about at the beginning, I wasn't convinced that this was the direction they were going to go until I started seeing it happen in front of my face, the way our, the way our heroes do, which I think is, is part of uh, the, the, the fun of this episode, the joy of this episode. Is, is it fan in to an extent? Maybe. But, I mean, let's be... Let's, we have to be honest. Who is the most powerful Jedi in the Star Wars galaxy at this point in Star Wars, hist- in Star, in Star Wars lore? It's Luke Skywalker. Who else could he have been communing with? I know we had a lot of fun with fan theories about, you know, uh, you know, Cal Kestis and some of the other characters who have populated some of the other pieces of mythology. Uh, 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 Corky Crees was it was a, was a big fun rumor for a little while, uh, though it, it didn't seem to jive that you wouldn't know what was going on with Bo-Katan. But uh, again, that's that's beside the point. But uh, there was there were so many fun rumors and so much fun speculation. And again, you know, I talked about it on TomCast podcast when when that image of uh, Sebastian Stan was going around with his face sort of blended into Luke Skywalker's Return of the Jedi look, and I was like, oh, that well, that would be fun, but that'll never happen. And and it it did it didn't. So I was right on that one. Uh, but bringing Luke in and, and and sort of hitting that that just that sort of perfect blend of of. Of everything, really. I mean, it's it's, um. What's the way I want to say? I I can't even think of the way I want to I want to, I want to describe it uh, to you guys. But uh, but like I said, I this I began to get really choked up. During this scene, during this this again, as our heroes are watching this on the screens, on the security cam screens, they were cutting, from them watching the screens to what's happening, in the hallways, in the concourses. Uh, it should be pointed out. That a, a British actor named Max Lloyd Jones is the one wearing the robes. He is the the Luke Skywalker body double, at this point, uh, but he does a pretty darn nice job. And I love the way that the reveal is sort of done as well. Um, one of the really fun aspects of it, because because it is sort of a mystery at first. Yeah, granted, the X wing is sort of the, like the giveaway, but what's really fun about the way it plays out is okay. You have the the flowing robes. That's your first sign, but that that could be any Jedi at that point. But it's what happens next. Again, you're the first glimpses you see of him doing stuff, of this Jedi doing stuff. You don't even know it's a him at this point. But you see the lightsaber, you see the twirling robe, and it wasn't isn't until we cut away. And also, I, by the way, the love, uh, my love of of, of Moff Gideon's uh, face as he's seeing what's occurring on on the screen. And I think that sort of helps to reinforce some of our ideas about why he wants his own force wielders to control. I think he has a, a fear of the power that the Jedi wield, and that's why he wants it for himself. Maybe he can't give himself force powers, but he can create beings that he can then control and deploy in ways that he sees fit. But this is when... It's right after that look on his face, that's just sort of a shifting from like that, that false bravado that he showed earlier to just... like. Fear. I mean, it's just fear in his face. like he knows it's over. his dark troopers don't stand a chance against this Jedi Knight. And this is when we cut to the first our first live action version view of this of this Jedi and the first thing we see, the green lightsaber. And you're like, no. no. And you're not believing it, but you're like but you're believing it as it's happening as you're watching this jedi just cut through. These dark troopers, like it's nobody's business, and everyone on the bridge, is watching on the on the security cams, in basically in awe as this character, as his being, just mows through them, slices them like butter. Again, and you start to see this, the 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 signs of the classic Luke costume, and you see the black glove on the right hand, and that's when you know. I mean, you know, if you don't know, no, you if you don't know at this point, you know now. <laughs> and and Moff getting fearing that it's all over. Ah uh, decides it's time to take action. He he, conceals a weapon. He takes out Kaskar Reeves with it, though not permanently, because we do see here later on. And he mm-hmm. attempts to kill the child. He attempts to kill Grogu. Dinjarin. uh swoops in at the last moment to save, take the blaster bolts himself right right into his chest to again once again saving Grogu's life. And I love what happens next here because everyone draws down on 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 Gideon. And he makes the play that you would sort of expect him to make at this point, which is like, oh, I'm not going to be captured. So it's time to end it all. But not on Cardoon's Doon's watch. She knows what an important uh, uh, prisoner he will be. So she knocks the gun out, smacks him with the butt of the rifle, and then we go back to our Jedi friend, mowing down dark troopers. And it's so good. And you get little Grogu touching the screen. And this is when I start to get... I'm already choked up at this point of, of the show uh, but watching grogu sort of connect with this character on the screen this 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 being that we we can only assume he connected with on that seeing stone uh, it, it's really touching it's really sweet and the, again grogu's hand on that screen is just something else and it sort of uh, uh, symbolizes all the all the like the sort of like this injection of hope into the story like these characters were dead meat. And then you have the great scene of the dark troopers waiting for the elevator to arrive uh, that will have our Jedi friend on it. And they're just waiting. And again, the, the tension, they do a great job with this tension because our heroes still don't know what's going to happen. And and, and <laughs> it's just, it's Jedi nighttime at this point. And, and our Jedi just cuts them down, deflecting blaster bolts, mowing through the troopers, using the force, all of it. Everything we've wanted to see from from the New Hope, from our main Jedi. And it's, like I said, at this point, if you don't know who we're talking about here, you know. It's, and they're going to show it too. But you know it's Luke. You know it's Luke. I can't even... I don't know why I'm dancing around it. It's, we know it's Luke. But this last bit here where he crushes the, the Darth Trooper with the Force is just something else. And I'll be perfectly honest, I wasn't sure that they were going to do what they did. I wasn't sure we were actually going to get to see Luke. But again, they had the, the stones to do it. Now, this is also when it gets really important, too, because we, we have to pay attention. Grogu has a connection to Luke. He is trying to sort of communicate that to to Dinjarin that they, he is a friend, he is an ally, he is someone who can be trusted, and that's an important aspect of things. And so Din, you know, he believes him so he lets them in. He opens the blast doors, despite Fennec's uh, kind of objection to it. Luke enters through the smoke, almost in a Vader-esque kind of way the green lightsaber still still ignited and this is when we get the, this is when it happens this is when we get our our our, our reveal, the hood lifted and um, it's just I don't know, I, I sort of just gasp. I mean, when, when it was confirmed like when you see his face the digitally de-aged face of Mark Hamill, a.k.a. Luke Skywalker. You have the theme music playing in the background.
0: Are you a Jedi?
1: Like his father before him. Now, listen, I know it would have been cheesy, but if at this point he had said, I'm Luke Skywalker, I'm here to rescue you, I think I might have (laughs) died. I think think there's a good possibility my mind and my heart would have exploded at the exact same time, and I, I wouldn't, be with us to record this podcast uh, and this is uh, the I'm, I'm going to try and play the scene um, as, I'm, as I'm talking here uh, because it, it's a fairly quiet scene there's only a little bit of dialogue uh, but this, this these final moments of this episode are so emotionally impactful uh, I won't lie I was crying like a little baby at, 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 at moments coming up in this uh, it was, it was everything that I wanted it to be and so much more. Again, I the Luke's Some face is a little is a little video gamey. Looks a little bit like Battlefront 2, Luke. He
0: doesn't want to go with you. He wants your permission. He is strong with the force. But talent without training is nothing.
1: I will give my life to protect the child. But he will not be safe until he masters his abilities. Again, and then this is this, again. This is when I started just bawling in my living room at, you know, three forty in the morning. Um, it's so touching. It's so sweet. It it. This this season of the Mandalorian has done such a wonderful job of of instilling. An emotional core uh, between these two characters and their bond, and in this moment. Oh, I'm I'm watching it now and I'm getting misty again already, and I've have seen the episode four times already for God's sake. <laughs> but when when little Grogu reaches out to touch his helmet, and and Din lifts his own <laughs> to show his face to Grogu, is oh, it gets me every time. I can't I cannot lie to you all right now. I, you can probably hear it in my voice, <laughs> but it's so wonderful. It's just. Oh, we all love Grogu so much, and the way he reaches out and touches Din's face probably for the first time, you know, sees his face for the first time, um, it, it shows the journey that, that Din Djarin's gone on, Yeah, how different he is, how changed he is from his experiences with, with Grogu. And it's, it's a quiet moment, afraid? there's only a little bit of dialogue here with, with Pedro and, and, and Grogu. But if you have any doubts about Pedro Pascal's acting abilities, I mean, this does it all. And then here, one of the final treats for the episode, the return of one of our oldest friends. Little Grogu instantly connects with R2-D2. Again, such a quiet moment, so many quiet emotional moments in this episode. Again, one of the reasons why I think it, it's fair to say that Peyton Reed directs this episode so well in such a subtle, understated sort of way. But he hits these wonderful emotional high notes. And then the, the nod between Luke and Din. And again, the, the, the sort of instant bond between Grogu and r 2 is so fascinating. And then Grogu wants Luke to pick him up. And there's no there's no words anymore in this episode. I mean, it's just quiet the rest of the way as these characters are having this emotional goodbye with each other. <laughs> Sorry, I'm losing it again. And they watch him go down the corridor and everyone's just standing there. It's pretty wild as they as they're watching uh, din sort of say goodbye to his his adopted son. And a, and a child saying goodbye to his adopted father, and going off to learn the ways of the Force with the only Jedi Master left in the galaxy. And the music just so powerful, so resonant, so well done. Come on, I wasn't the only one crying, was I? <laughs> Sobbing like a baby on my couch, three three thirty in the morning, not alcohol induced for once. And as the elevator doors close, we close the chapter. Chapter a of The Mandalorian is done, or is it? Or is it? Before we get there, I, I, we we have to talk about it a little bit, a little bit more. Uh, th- that's been the biggest thing from this season of of, of The Mandalorian, to me, has been this, in, in, the the instilling of this emotional core as as we've explored the bond between Grogu, between Dinjarin, So interesting, so fascinating. You know, The Mandalorian's always been a show that's been... I'll, I'll, I don't mean this as a, as, an, as a knock by any means. It's a show that's a little light on plot. You know, it's not an overly complicated story. It's, it's, it's Star Wars. It doesn't need to be overly complicated. We, we know the stories. We know what Star Wars is at its heart, at its core. And um, that's what they do so well in the show. Yes, yes, it's got the trappings of the Westerns, of the samurai movies, of the things that inspired Star Wars to begin with. Uh, but it's always been about about characters and always about like our bond to these characters. Uh, and, for, and for once, we get to see a bond between two characters in the Star Wars universe that resonates with us in a, in a new, unique way. You know, sure, we were there for, for Han and Leia and their journey and, and their... Uh, discovery of, of falling in love with each other and, and that and that was a blast. that was a lot of fun. but you know I I, I got into it with some, not I didn't get into it like in, in a verbally combative sort of way. Uh, but uh, someone made a remark on on Twitter how uh, the 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 father son relationship between Din Djarin and baby Grogu is is the best father son relationship in Star Wars. and I joked back I was like, well, the bar's pretty low for that. But it's really it's really true. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. But it's such a fun uh, way to explore Star Wars in, in a new way and, and to have like that emotional connection because that's, you know, Star Wars is fun. But if you if it doesn't connect with you in a certain way, um, it's it's just kind of surface material. And again, being, being a show with with um, sort of a minimalist approach to to plotting, and, and and again, I don't mean that as a knock. I just I, that, one of the reasons why the show's so great is its perspectability. It's not bogged down in too much of his own mythology, um, and anyone can watch it and not have to know forty years of, of old stuff. That's that's the strength of the show. So I don't mean it as a knock by any stretch of the, of of what I'm saying. Don't don't get it twisted. I'm not knocking it. All right, so let, let's. I've gushed about my gushing long enough. Let's get to. The next trick up their sleeve, a post-credit scene that I did not expect in the least, and I had no idea was coming. I was just—I'll be honest—the first my, my on my first viewing this morning. You know, it's like 3.45ish or so as as the episode's wrapping up, and I'm just letting the credits play because honestly, my jaw is on the floor. I'm—I'm—I have tears running down my face. I'm—I'm I'm very emotional. I just saw the return of of Luke Skywalker, albeit a weirdly digital Luke Skywalker, but Luke Skywalker nonetheless. And I, I got to see Luke Skywalker do the most Luke skywalker thing that I had never seen before, which was just go through Imperial forces with a lightsaber, which I, was a privilege of something that we, we hadn't seen in, in, in the movies necessarily. You know, we saw him dispatch Jabba's, Jabba's goons in Return of the Jedi, but he never... Excuse me. But he never uh, uh went through... You know, did use the force in quite the way he does in this episode. Uh, and it's something to behold, for sure. Uh, uh, but again, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Disney or Star Wars going full Marvel here. Post-credit scene. And it is awesome. We go back to Tatooine. We recognize those twin sons right away. We pan over. We pan left. And we recognize that building right away, too. We're right back in Jabba's palace. And we, we go inside to the throne room where we see a uh we, we see Bib Fortuna of all characters. Bib Fortuna. Uh who in old mythology <laughs> was turned into one of those robot spiders that, uh, with the little brain in the jar. That's old canon. This new canon, Bib Fortuna, survives. And and he seems to sort of be uh filling the void of Job of the Hutt, or at least attempting to. It seems like he's doing it rather unsuccessfully as as um not much is going on in the palace, in Jabba's palace. Remember, when we go to Jabba's palace, it's a bustling hive of activity, of of, 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 of kind of greed and avarice and, and you know crime and scum and villainy and all that good stuff that we know from Star Wars. Uh, it's very subdued. It's very subtle. It's very low-key, what's going on there. Bib Fortuna does not seem to be doing a really good job of running Jabba's criminal empire, of being the next-level next space gangster that Jabba was. And I think that's something that's been reflected on our visits to Tatooine, you know, you know back in season 1 when we were in Mos Eisley. And then again in the first episode this season when we go back to Tatooine, it it, it seems that uh, uh uh the presence of of crime is significantly lower without Jabba around. And I think that's something I even commented on in those Mos Eisley episodes about how it's Mos Eisley's not this bustling thriving spaceport anymore and it seems that a lot of that has to do with the, the void of Jabba the Hutt and his criminal activities and, and bringing all these uh, nefarious, uh, uh, you know, uh, scoundrel-like characters to Tatooine to conduct business for him. So I, I, I suspect that maybe that was a bit of foreshadowing in, in a lot of regards. But regardless of that, what happens is, is Fennec Shan arrives on the scene, blowing people away, killing Bib Fortuna's guards, leaves him alone for Boba Fett to walk into the scene draw his gun on Vib Fortuna and blow him away. And then knock his body out of the throne that's up on the pedestal, on the dais, where Jabba used to sit. And then Boba takes that throne for himself with Fennec Shand as his right hand. And we get the announcement of the Book of Boba Fett coming December 2021. That's next year, folks. That's right around the corner. What does that mean? What does that mean? We don't know. There, there's, there's, you know, we we know the speculation that's been out there uh, that there was going to be a Boba Fett show. That seems to be confirmed. It was, there was no announcement uh, at the Lucasfilm meeting. Uh, at, I'm sorry, at the Disney shareholder meeting. We remember, we did that big episode last week where we talked about. That where we talked about all the shows that were announced, and there wasn't a Boba Fett show on there. Now, were they saving that for the big reveal at the end of this episode? Maybe, possibly, or is this, or is this book of Boba Fett going to be the Mandalorian season three, and 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 we're going to be left hanging on the adventures of, of Dinjarin, and and what's going to happen next with him and the, and the dark and and. Bo-Katan and, and Mandalore in general? Are, are, we, are we shifting focus? Is the show rebranding in Season 3 and it's going to be Boba-centric? This book of Boba Fett? Or is this a new show that will run concurrently with The Mandalorian? Remember, it's been said that The Mandalorian Season 3 would debut October 2021. This is why we have questions. This is why <laughs> this is why uh we 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 have to ask these questions. We don't know. And and Disney slash Lucasfilm is not saying anything. Now it's very likely that they will wait the weekend. They will want everyone to have watched this episode by then. Like I like I, like we talked about earlier with the spoilers and stuff. Not everyone watches this episode at midnight or at three in the morning like I do. Uh, you know, m- most of my friends watch this Friday evenings. Some people have to wait till Saturday evening to watch it because of their work schedules. Uh, Disney and Lucasfilm, I think, are very uh, cognizant of that, and I think they're very respectful of that. So, you know, they they initially asked that people wait 72 hours before posting spoilers online. Uh, So I suspect Disney will do much the same, and they will wait until at least Monday, if at all, to clarify what the hell just happened at the end of this episode. Again, is this Boba Fett show going to run concurrently to season three of The Mandalorian? Or is this going to be season 3 of The Mandalorian? Do we shift to the book of Boba Fett and we t- we, we take a break from the adventures of, of Din Djarin? I don't know. You know, I was I was, uh, I was uh, texting with, with a friend this morning while I was at work. Uh, he also... He, I forget if he stays up late or he gets up early to watch the episodes. Uh, but he, he speculated that, you know, has Din's story come full circle now? And it's a fair question to ask. And it's... It's 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 a it's a great question, and I don't I don't have an answer for it honestly. Like it does feel like there is a certain level of completeness to Dinjarin's journey in the sense of his development from where we met him in season one to where we leave him at the end of season two, and we didn't even talk about the the significance of of what he does in his final moments with Grogu, the removing of his helmet voluntarily. No life is on the line. They're in no danger. And he does it in front of a group of people. He does it in front of Luke Skywalker. He does it in front of Bo-Katan, in front of Cosca Reeves, in front of Cara Dune, in front of Fennec Shand. And he does it by choice because of his love for that child. So has has, has Din come full circle? Is, is, are, are we done with his journey? Remember, he wields the Darksaber now. He seems to have no interest in it. But does that mean that he's actually the perfect person to rule Mandalore? Think about that. Think about that. We've talked about Bo-Katan Kryze and her history. She is bound and determined to bring Mandalore back together. But she's also a big part of the rifts that have existed within the Mandalorian people. Being part of Death Watch. Being part of the reason why uh, her sister was, was murdered by Darth Maul spoilers uh, sorry but you, you know what I mean there that character has history and the, again the, one of the reasons why I find Bokenta's character so interesting and so fascinating is because of her history and her decisions and again this character with uh, with like a sort of single-minded determinedness and it doesn't matter if she's on viewed as being on the right side or the wrong side of, 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 of history uh, it's all about the the goals and the objectives. And Bo-Katan wielded the Darksaber at one point. She was, by all accounts, the ruler of Mandalore, and she lost it. She lost it. I don't think Din Djarin's journey is complete yet. That being said, I don't know... I, I don't know what happens next season because we don't have answers to that. We, that we uh, a, a, a multitude of media outlets have reached out to, to Lucasfilm and to Disney to, to uh, get clarification... Is Boba Fett, The Book of Boba Fett Season 3 of The Mandalorian? Or is it separate from The Mandalorian? Listen, I'm not going to lie. I'd love it to be separate because that means I get two shows to watch next December. It means we have twice the content for you wonderful people who are still listening to this podcast. But unfortunately, we don't have answers right now. I have been re- refreshing uh, a bunch of new sites that I trust uh, for, for this information. And it, it nothing has been uh, updated yet, you know. They've all reached out to Lucasfilm. I've reached out to Lucasfilm. Okay, I didn't reach out to Lucasfilm. I have no pull whatsoever with Lucasfilm. So I didn't bother to reach out to them because I don't even... A, I don't know how, but I was pretty sure they weren't going to respond to me. If they weren't going to respond to some of these other websites that I, that I do follow, they definitely were going to respond to me. So, keep you know, hey, we know we're small potatoes here at MandaVision, but... Our potatoes are getting bigger and bigger by the day. And that's all that matters in the long run. Uh, mostly because of wonderful people like you who are listening to this show. So thank you so much. Again, that being said, if information breaks, we're going to cover it. We'll, I'll, I'll, I'll release the Bantha Tracks Monday as soon as I know more. But I, I guess at this point we have to ask the question, what do you want it to be? I, I'm assuming a lot of you... Are in the same boat as me. You want more Star Wars. More Mandalorian shows. Give me the Mandalorian Season 3. And book a Boba Fett Season 1. In the same day. Just bring it. All the Star Wars all the time right now. I'm okay with that. We don't know. We honestly don't know. <laughs> it, it's a little. Again it's a little frustrating. That we don't have this clarity. But. I'm also okay with it too. I, I sort of like this. It's this is sort of old school cliffhanger in a way that we didn't really know we wanted uh, that we needed. You know, um, we are a culture that is very much uh, give it to us now. You know, immediate gratification, instant gratification, uh, having to wait for 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 clarity for information. Maybe that will do us a little bit of good. I don't know for sure, but. Yeah, we don't have it right now. We don't know if the Book of Boba Fett is a new show or if it's going to be season 3 of The Mandalorian and Din will take a back seat for a year or two or however long it goes. You know, I don't know if it's known what kind of contract Pedro Pascal has with 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 the Star Wars folks. So, I you know, I I I can't speculate too much on that. I just I just don't have enough of the information. Um uh, I don't even, again, I, I don't have the words because I just don't have the information. Yeah, I don't know. I just, again, waiting is not going to be a bad thing. I think we're going to be okay. And you know I'll be here to provide information as soon as we get it made available. I'll, I'll whip out a bantha tracks and share it with, with all of you. But again, do me, a, do me a solid. Hit me up on social media. We're, we're at mando underscore vision and let me know what you want. Do you want a Boba show same time as a Din show? Are you okay if 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 Din uh, uh, takes a break for a bit, a bit, and we get a we get, we get this Boba show? Now, what's this Boba show gonna be? Let's talk about that a little bit. All right, Boba Fett has has established. He has m- mentioned it several times. He's not a Mandalorian. He is Boba Fett, the bounty hunter. And clearly, now that he's back in possession of his armor, he has a lot of things to make up for. A lot of a lot of uh, business to take care of. And he seems to see the void that that Jabba's death has left on Tatooine. He seems to know and recognize that Big Fortuna does not, uh, is not taking advantage of the opportunity before him. He he's letting everything, uh, wallow away, whittle away all that Jabba built. And Boba Fett sees an opportunity to step up and become the new crime lord, a new part of the Hut syndicates, as you will. And that's, again, uh, the syndicate of, of the Huts is a little bit of old. They talk about it in Clone Wars to a, to a, a degree, uh, but it could be something more fully explored in this Book of Boba Fett show. We might get a better glimpse of the underworld of the Star Wars universe of the Star Wars galaxy with this Book of Boba Fett show, which could be a lot of fun. It's it's something I think we we were sort of that was sort of hinted at that might come to come to fruition in the Mandalorian, uh, but it it didn't pan out that way. I think I think once the whole uh, Baby Yoda concept was 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 agreed upon. Uh, that it, it kind of eliminated the ability to kind of explore some of the darker corners of the Star Wars galaxy. This Boba Fett show seems to be the, our way, our window, into that under, that dark, seedy underbelly that we've glimpsed here and there. Uh, you know, I, I, I reference uh, Episode 2 of Attack of the Clones when, when Obi-Wan goes to that club in the lower levels of Coruscant and uh, is, is offered death sticks. Things like that, uh, you know, things that Han Solo alludes to. Uh, in, in in solo and in in the original trilogy, when he talks about his past, um, there's there's a lot. It, it's 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 rich, fertile soil to to explore, and it provides a new opportunity for Star Wars to show us another side of itself in, in a fun way. Now, I know there's been some criticisms, but perhaps you all have seen them online as well. That Boba Fett isn't a defined or rich enough character to to. Hold his own show. Um, I don't agree with that at all. I'm okay with the sort of more is less version of Boba Fett that we have. Uh, and especially if he's in league with a character like Fennec Shand, who I find infinitely fascinating. And I've always found Ming-Na Wen to be uh, a, a completely charming and wonderful actress. And, and so if she's on that show uh that's uh, that's enough for me to, to watch Fennec and Boba Fett team up and try to run a criminal empire out of Tatooine out of Jabba's old palace. Uh I think that show could be a lot of fun. Uh it might be a little bit darker. Uh but it's Star Wars, so I, I still think it'll be a, be watchable for for audiences everywhere. But you you'll get another look at you'll, you'll get a look at the at, uh, like I said that CD underbelly of the Star Wars galaxy and I think it could be a lot of fun. Now, granted, we know nothing. We know absolutely nothing about the, what this show could be, what it will be. Uh, I, you know, I don't know. I just don't know. I mean, Bo-Katan does talk about bringing Mandalorians together. Is And we talked about on this, and we speculated on this podcast about it. Does Boba Fett get welcomed back to the fold at some point? Is, is he invited to become a true Mandalorian at some point? I don't know. You know, it seems like if Bo-Katan's in charge, no. She does not seem to be all that interested in, in Boba Fett. Uh, coming back to the fold, being, uh, being part of the Mandalorian culture. But Din Djarin might feel differently, and if he's sitting on the throne of Mandalore, if he's the one bringing back the Mandalorian people, well, who knows? Uh, and another thing to, to consider with Din Djarin's story, too, is uh, now that he knows that he's basically been raised by a Mandalorian cult, this, this Children of the Watch, another aspect of, of his story that we need to explore Another, another reason why maybe his story isn't done just yet. But who knows? Who who knows? Uh, I, we, we have to wait for some information here. We really, really do. Uh, but again, I think, I think Din still has some stories left to tell. And, I mean, to be honest, we I don't think we're done with, with Grogu yet. I really don't. You know, there's a lot of room for something to go wrong and something to happen. And... and Din has to go and, and find Grogu. or Again, I, I don't want to speculate too much because we just, there's just so much ground to cover that we don't know yet because the timeline is a little fuzzy in this, in this area. We don't know, is Ben Solo alive and born yet? Has Luke started his, his Jedi Academy yet? Do we have to worry that Ben Solo is going to kill Grogu at Luke's Jedi Academy? There, there's so much to get into here. And we just don't know any of it yet. Uh, you know, does does Grogu ultimately reject the path of the Jedi? I mean, do we? Is the next time we meet up with Dinjarin further down the timeline, and and Grogu is is older and and able to communicate more, but also able to uh, defend himself with his force abilities. <sighs> There's so much to get into here. There's so many possibilities. It's it's why Star Wars is so much fun and why they've done such a great job on this show because it. Presents us with so many wonderful opportunities to explore this fun Star Wars galaxy that we all love so much, and it, it you know it it it's about the characters and and they've done such a wonderful job you know uh, again I love Din's arc the way he has has grown and progressed his, his voluntarily removing his helmet in this episode in front of others was so big so important. You know, you, you saw it last week, but it was, it was so that he could get information, so he, he could achieve the goal he needed to achieve. Uh, it was completely different in the in this scenario. It was he did it for the for Grogu for the boy for his boy, and and that's why it was so profound and so impactful when he does it, and and uh, that's just that's just wonderful. That's just wonderful storytelling in my opinion. That's just so good, and it again it hits those emotional chords that make you connect with these characters. We're gonna be. I'm. I'm gonna be thinking about this episode for a long time, and and I'll, I'm gonna rewatch it a lot this weekend too because it, it hits so many notes so wonderfully, and and you know it's it's genuine emotion that comes out of this episode, out of the show, a lot of the show. That that's been the one big blessing of of season two is is just like this emotional core that season two has had that maybe the first season didn't didn't, uh, and that's because Din was a different character. He was. Distant and cold, and he was all about his creed, and and uh, you know this is the way, and the armorer, and and supporting his people as best he could, but not realizing that Grogu would, would expose him to uh, new truths about himself, about what he thinks the Mandalorian people are, about who the Mandalorian people can be. Um, that's that's why I think Din's story is not done just yet. But what what, what what form, what fashion? Uh, we we just don't have the information yet. And like I said, I keep hitting refresh, hoping that something new is going to pop up before I release this episode. Because usually what happens on this episode or on the, or, I'm sorry, on this podcast or on the TomCast podcast is as I, we, 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 we create the episode, we get it all put together and then news drops after I've posted it online. So <laughs> I was really trying to give it a chance to, to make it. But yeah, that's not the case today. It's, it is not the case today. We don't have the information and we probably won't until next week. So listen, with that being said, we should should close up. I've been going on for so long because this is just a wonderful episode. I hope you all feel the same. You know where to find me on social media, at MandoVision, excuse me, at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. I want to thank everyone so much for listening to the show. I've been uh, really, really uh, uh, delighted that so many people have taken the time to check it out. Again, I hope you all are liking it. Uh, I I'm I'm open to feedback again. Find me on social media, but we, we, we can we can talk. Like, tell me what you like, what you don't like about the show. We can I'll work with you. We'll we'll figure it out. Um, but in the meantime, this this very likely could be uh, the final Mando vision for the year, depending on on what news breaks. And uh, you know, actually, before I before I wrap it up, I should mention also Disney Plus has announced that on Christmas Day. There will be a, another Visions, Mandalorian, behind-the-scenes special that you can watch for the making of Season 2. And I think we're all going to watch it. And we'll probably talk about that. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll get to, uh, Bantha Tracks in right before the, the, the new year, or shortly after the new year. Depends on, Again, it depends on the news. But if this is the last episode of the year, I want to thank everyone once again for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Check us out. Support us. In, in any way that you are whether it's just sharing it with your friends and and all the other mandos in your covert or um you know writing five-star reviews and and and, and doing all that fun stuff uh it means the world to me that you that you all have have uh taken the time and and seemingly embraced the show and and i guess by extension me which is always nice uh because uh, i am a bucket who needs some emotional support from from time to time uh so with that being said i hope everyone has a wonderful safe holiday season Uh, it looks like hopefully the end is in sight with the pandemic. It looks like vaccines will be available soon. And then maybe we can all start like hanging out again in real life and, 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 and talking about these shows at our favorite bars and restaurants and and establishments. And, and just, uh, yeah, I don't know. Wouldn't it it be fun to all go to the movies again? (laughs) I can't stop thinking about that. It'd be, it'd be a real blast, I think. But, uh, yeah, like I said, the end is in sight. Let's, let's, it's, Make it through the holidays. Stay strong. I know it's not fun, but we're doing the best we can. We're going to make it to the other side. Thank you all so much for listening. I, I've said it 18 times, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Again, I, I every time I see the numbers for this podcast, I can't believe how many people are checking it out and then coming back next week to do it again. It, it you Your support means the world to me. You are my fellow bucket heads. We are all in the same covert, and that's the most important part of the holiday season is being with the other mandos in your covert that's what that's what the reason that's the reason for the season isn't it all right that's it let's get out of here happy holidays and remember this is the way this is the way
0: this is the way
1: this is the way